Today's scripture is Psalm 121. I raise my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God won't let your foot slip. Your protector won't fall asleep on the job. No. Israel's protector never sleeps or rests. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade right beside you. The Lord won't strike you. The sun won't strike you during the day. Neither will the moon at night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. God will protect your very life. The Lord will protect you on your journey, whether going or coming, from now until forever, from now. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Don. Uh, thank you, choir. Um, did you catch that the song that they sung was Psalm 121? We've been um, going through a season that we've begun. We've been at, this is now our third week talking about the Psalms, and this is our second week talking about a small uh, chunk of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. So these were Psalms that pilgrims would sing as they would make usually an annual trip to Jerusalem, which was at a mountainous part of the country, so most people, most people lived in the lower area, you know, language like people that are higher and people that are lower, so the people that were lower would go up, they would have an ascent, and these would be the road trip songs that they would sing, the chants and the prayers. Parents would teach their kids these songs so that when they were of age, they would be able to sing the same songs, and so you have a text like this that really an entire family system could hold so dearly. And you just think about some of the imagery there. I lift my eyes to the hills, looking up. Where does my help come from? As we've been talking about the Psalms, the, the, the overall theme is journeys. Right? So we've had a, we have a wonderful uh, design team. Raise your hand, design team members. There we go, there we go, They're over here. Uh, raise them high, that have been helping us try to talk about what does it mean for us to be on a journey. And that really is the theme for today. Uh, there is an all-church gathering after this service, and you're going to hear me talk about that in a little bit, uh, but I want to invite you to stick around after the service to be a part of that conversation, which is about journeys. It's about looking around. It's, it's about where does our help come from. It's about where, where are we going. Uh, if you've noticed in the, in the lobby when you come in, there is now a really great array of pictures of members in our church on different journeys. Has anyone, like, have you, have you noticed this? Have you looked at them? Raise your hand if you've put a picture on that wall. There are more than two pictures on that wall, so. <laughs> There's a lot. Of, it's, been, it's been delightful. I would encourage you, um, as you're leaving today, to just stop and take a look at at those journeys, it's really cool to actually see people that you know really well and then see them in a different place. There's something about it that feels really just like it incorporates you into it. You know, you can celebrate that they're a part of your life and this is a part of their life and this is us on a journey. This is what it looks like for us. 
There are two pictures of me up on that wall. Both of them are from Ireland. Now, you may have picked this up at some point, but Ireland holds a really special place in my life. I've, I've had this, uh, I don't know how it happened, but I've been to Ireland the last three years in a row. So I went in 2015, I went in 2016, and I went in 2017. Who wants to help me make 2018 happen, right? Um, it's going to happen. I know it's only January, but I, I, it needs to happen. Uh, it, it's just one of those places. It's one of those places that has really found me well. Maybe for you, that's a, that's a cabin or it's a spot in the, in, where's Reed, in like Montana or, or is, is it Montana, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just a place that like when you go there, you're like, yep, this is it. Yep. I got a couple of pictures. Uh, Jack, do you want to see if we have, um, see, so this is, this is a picture of me um, hiking on a, on a mountain in Ireland called Crow Patrick. Patrick. So it's C-R-O-A-G-H. Crow is the Irish word for mountain. And then it's Patrick's Mountain. Um, uh, it's an old pilgrimage trail that really was popularized through uh, folklore about St. Patrick. So the idea was that St. Patrick would climb to the top of this mountain during the season of Lent, and then would pray for all of the different parishes, all the different communities, as he would be up on the top of that mountain. I think there's, if you, no, 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 uh, see what the next picture is. Okay, so that's what the mountain looks like. Um, now, St. Patrick would have popularized this mountain, right? And after St. Patrick used it, which would have been around like 600s, for the next 1,500 years or so, or 1,400, people would say like, hey, let's go back to that mountain where we know that St. Patrick did some stuff. That's how pilgrimage trails usually begin. Of course, the story of Ireland is that before Patrick, it was already a deeply spiritual place. So this was actually a pagan pilgrimage trail that was in use well before St. Patrick. So as I climb up this hill, I'm walking in a path that has been in use for easily 4,000 years. Each person on a different journey, looking for different things. Uh, this is about three-fourths of the way up. Um, and you'll notice up on that trail, there's a bunch of loose rock. I think I've got another picture for you. Let's see. So this is, uh, I know it's kind of hard to see, but this is looking up. On this day, it was incredibly foggy, as you can tell. Um, and let's see, I think I've got another picture looking down. Yeah, so the difference is dramatic, right? Um, Hard to tell which is up and which is down. Uh, uh, Jack, can you actually go back? Is that possible? Yeah, so you can see um, the whole trail was like that. It's called scree. It's loose scree. It's just slabs and slabs of, of uh, rock. And it meant that your footing was always uncertain and unsteady. I, uh, at the very last minute, I grabbed a, a trekking pole like this made out of wood um, and I didn't think I would need it, and I could not have made it up that mountain without the little stick that I had, sticking it in the ground, trying to pull myself forward. Um, I remember at one point I was looking at a site just like that on my way up the mountain, and I realized that all of the rocks and the mud, since it had been raining easily for a week straight, uh, as I was hiking up the mountain, all the rocks and the mud were coming down to me, right? The, the, the trail was moving sliding on its way down the mountain. 
a very unsteady and dangerous path for me. Is there another picture, Jack? Do I have? So, um, so you can go, go back to that, yeah? I put so much preparation into this journey. I, I, I tried to hike this mountain twice. So on my very first trip to Ireland, I, I was kind of like bold and courageous, and I was like, I'm going to do this mountain that everyone tells you to do. And actually, a lot of people do it barefoot, which is just crazy, right? Uh, the, the, the image of, being, of like struggling up a mountain while someone runs past you barefoot is just almost unbearable, right? Um, I've got really bad asthma, and it's something that like most of my adult life, I've had to try to stay in good shape so that I can at least my lungs still work. But even, even at my best attempts, sometimes I still struggle to breathe. And um, my first attempt up that mountain, I had to make the difficult choice to stop. And I turned around. I don't know if you've ever had to make a decision like that, even on a hike or on a trip or a a journey or a season that you're in. I just realized I, 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 can't, I can't go any further. This is, this is a stopping point. And to travel so long, to get to that point, to make that hike and have to say, not today, was really hard on me. So much so that I thought about it for a whole year and I came back. And you can imagine the gusto with which I came back. The, not this time. I trained for a good year for this, for this hike, and I, I remember uh, I was living in southern Oregon at the time, and every time it would rain, I would go out hiking just to try to get acclimated to the, the conditions to try to prepare myself for what it would be like to do this. And I, I put in so much work and so much time preparing for this. I, I had everything down to the T of where it needed to be. I was specifically focused on things being waterproof and things being light because I was backpacking. And so I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure that I had the equipment that I need, but it wasn't going to weigh me down. And so I just had everything figured out. And in the first two minutes of my, of my trek up that mountain, all of my planning and preparation goes out the window because of one simple thing I overlooked. I didn't take into account wind. So I had everything, I had the, like the best waterproof coat. No water is going to get through this thing at all. Except that when it's windy, my hood, which is up on my head, gets blown off. And as I'm walking up this mountain in just gale force winds, there's no chance this hood stays on longer than a half of a second. So I did the full seven-hour hike with my hood down in full rain which just means that after a matter of, I don't know, five minutes, I could feel water in my socks. So yes, my, my pants were waterproof, and my socks were waterproof, and my shoes were waterproof, and my jacket was waterproof, and my layers were waterproof, but I'm wet now, and no water is definitely getting out because it's waterproof. <laughs> so this is a soggy trek. That story, both then and now, still reminds me of this psalm. I'm looking to the hills. Where is my help going to come from? My help comes from the Lord, who is both the maker of heaven and earth.
There's this um, word that's associated with navigation. The, the, the phrase is dead reckoning. Does anyone know what this means? Right? You know what dead reckoning means? The word reckon is one that, where's Lori Edwards? I asked Lori Edwards, what do, what do you think of when you uh, hear the word reckoning? She said, judgment day. I was like, wow, that's not where I thought this was headed. The word dead reckoning is a navigation term. It means that you have to assess your surroundings to figure out your last known point of stability. You, you have to look up. You have to figure out, okay, how did I get here? Where am I? And when I was going up that mountain, when up and down both looked the same, and the trail was really unclear, I had many moments where I had to do a little bit of reckoning. I had to actually pause. It was the most effective way for me to stay on that trail. If I pretend like I know where I'm going, I stumble and I fall. In fact, the more I try to pretend like I don't fall, the more I fall. I remember I'd be going up on this trail, and it wasn't very heavily populated. There was only maybe three or four people I saw the whole time. But there were, there, there were at least three or four times when I would see someone on the trail ahead of me, and they would slip, and I'd be like, what a rookie. And like, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I stumble and fall, right? I reached a point on this trek where I had to admit to myself that I'm falling, that my grounding is uncertain, that I'm slipping. To make that sort of confession, statement, knowing that you're still really in the thick of a journey is incredibly vulnerable. Maybe you've been in a season like that before where you, you are in it and you've had to say, I'm really struggling here. That could be something with work. It could be a relationship. It could be your health. I'm really struggling here. You know, we talk a lot about vulnerability, or, or maybe we do. Sometimes the, the de definition of vulnerability that we have is kind of this like weak working definition, which is something like, I will bear a little bit of myself until it gets uncomfortable and then I'm out of here, right? I'll be vulnerable with you up to a certain point and then when it's too much, it's off. That's a really weak definition of vulnerability. You see, the real definition of vulnerability, in fact, the Latin word that forms that phrase, vulnerability comes from the word to be wounded. Vulnerability isn't like, I'm going to put myself on, out on the ledge and I hope I don't get wounded. Vulnerability is when you say, I'm going to get wounded in this. And I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's real vulnerability. It's knowing that you will fall. To be on the mountain and to say, I'm going to fall at some point. I'm going to fall at some point. My feet are going to slip at some point. Was the most effective way for me to actually regain my footing. To know that it wasn't entirely solid. To know that I was going to slip. You know, in Celtic uh, spirituality and theology, they always believe that mountains 
mountains are really more than just mountains. And maybe that resonates with you. I, I know that this was a specific journey in my life, but I'm wondering what journeys and what mountains do you have in your life? We have all been in a season or are in a season where we are faced with a moment where we might need to do a little bit of reckoning. Which is to say, how did I get here? And where does my help come from? That's, that's reckoning. How did I get here? And where does my help come from? Of course, the psalm would remind us that our help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. I think if I were to be honest, most of the times, I'd like to believe that the answer to the question, where does my help come from, The answer to that question is usually, usually, me. How am I going to get through this? I'm going to grind it out. I'm a rock. I am my own salvation. Oh, you're smirking. Fine. Uh, How will I get through this? Where does my salvation come from? Where is my help going to come from in this difficult time? My retirement account. I've saved for this. I'm surrounded by things that I love, that I like, that are great. I've got a a wonderful house, a wonderful home, friends, family. Uh, Where does my help come from? All that. This is a confession. All too often, all too often, all too often, all too often, I can find myself in the midst of a journey where I'm struggling, trying to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. And I can fall into this trap of thinking that really what, what is needed is I need to learn some more best practices. I need to read some more articles. I just need to try harder. I just need to get it together. I need to be more polished. The shocking thing, though, is that in all of that, I've somehow taken God out of the equation. The God who created me, who has made me capable. The God who is both the maker of heaven and of earth. And of earth means things like your bodies. God has created bodies that have carried you this far. God has created laughter and music and conversations and food. There is a lot of things that can be your help. But it's remarkable to me how aimless I feel how often I can wander and how many times my feet slip when I refuse to look to the hills, when I refuse to ask the question, where does my help come from? What is God doing in this? How is God leading me? 
So I'm wondering uh, for us as a church, and I'm wondering for you individually as a person, as a, as a husband, as a grandparent, as a spouse, as a friend, what's your mountain? What, what journey are you on? When we begin our services, I invite you into a moment of centering, and usually it is just to give ourselves a threshold, just one moment where we look around. Otherwise, it's just going to blend all in together. Uh, How many of you have been at this church for over 15 years? Raise your hand. Over 30 years? Raise your hand. 40 years? Raise your hand. Look around. Try for 50. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does your help come from? I'd like to invite us today, after this service, to look around a bit, to talk about our location. How did we get here? Where does our help come from? And where do we want to go? I think that that most fundamentally involves us honestly just looking around, just taking stock. And that's not easy, and most importantly, it involves a great deal of vulnerability. It involves having the courage to say, listen, I I fall, or we've fallen. We've slipped before. We've skinned our knees. But if we can't do that, if we can't, do that both as a congregation, as a community, as a, as a group of people, and if we can't do it in our own lives, we're just going to keep falling. This is a challenging work. But it's not a new one. It's one that rests at like the heart of our faith tradition, People saying the road ahead is difficult and it's dangerous and we get tired. So let's remind ourselves as often as is needed to look around, to lift up our heads, to take stock, to survey. And to choose again and maybe again and again and again where we want our help to come from. Hear this, uh, hear this, Once more. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. When I look up, I remember that the Lord will not let your feet be moved. The Lord watches over you and doesn't fall asleep. Behold, The God of all people neither sleeps nor slumbers. He's always on duty. 
The sun will not strike you by day. You won't be burned or the moon by night. You won't go lost in the dark. The Lord shall preserve you from vileness, from wickedness. The Lord will keep you safe. And the Lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in from this time, both now and evermore. I want to invite you to be vulnerable with me. I'm going to do the same. That's how I want to operate. I hope you can expect that from me in messages like this. That's what I want to talk about at our gathering after church. And I want to name that I believe that this is a way that God is at work in and among us. Being a community that's courageous enough to be vulnerable with each other. That is something cool. I think that is something very worthwhile. I'd like to invite us um, to catch our breath for a minute, okay? And then I want to lead us in the sacrament of communion, which involves a body of people being broken and then deciding to receive something new together. We remember that Christ gathered with his disciples took a loaf of bread that someone had made. Truly someone's, someone's gift. Someone harvested the wheat. Someone mixed it, baked it, prepared it, and served it. And Christ says, this is like my body. Many different parts. And then breaks it and says, break for the world. Be my body. Be my presence. Likewise, he takes a cup, a symbol that is often lost on me. A cup which is meant to signify that you are welcome here. You with all of your slips, you with all of your falls, you with all of your wounds, you with all of your vulnerability, you are welcomed here. Jesus extends that cup to Someone like John, who thinks of himself as Jesus' best friend, and also extends that cup to someone like Judas, who is clutching a coin purse in his hand. You are welcome here. So drink. Drink. There's no need to be thirsty anymore. We remember that a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace, which means that it... it this is a physical thing that can maybe, maybe remind us that there is something still going on deep within us. And I can't name that for you. I can't tell you what that is. But I'm guessing that if you were to take a moment of reckoning, to look around, to figure out where you have been and where you feel called to go, you would feel that there's something there. 
So may this sacrament be just a foretaste of recognizing that, recognizing that there is something still there. Let the bread remind you of being present. Let the blood remind you of being offered back to the world.